It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Quickly to Wall. Wall measures. Deal. Gets open for three. Welcome to the Locked On Wizards podcast, uh, analysis of the Washington Wizards five days a week. We got you every Monday through Friday. I'm your host tonight, Noah Getzel. And we had an incredible victory here on Valentine's Day. First time the Wizards played on Valentine's Day in quite a while. I'm loving the way that the Wizards came out in the second half. They uh, beat the Knicks. We'll talk all about that. Um, We'll also talk about the Wizards not making any moves uh, to add a backup point guard given their injuries to John Wall and uh, Tim Frazier. And finally, we'll talk a little bit about just the, the team's Record and momentum heading into the All-Star break, 7-2 uh, and two without John Wall on the court. And we're going to do a real quick throwback Thursday to the Wizards' last Valentine's Day. So here to join me through all of that and break down this incredible 27-point comeback victory over the Knicks tonight is Brendan Smith, who has uh, been a big Wizards fan since the Gilbert Arenas era, and he contributes to a couple of fan-sided sites Charles in Charge, an NBA blog, and then he also uh, writes for Beale Street Bears, which covers the Memphis Grizzlies. So, what's going on, Brennan? Well, I'm just chilling and killing, man. Happy to see the guys pull out that win. Nice, nice. And so, you used to be with Wizards Extra until you kind of valued your education a little bit more. What's up with that? Yeah, so it was back in 2014. It was after I graduated high school. Um... I don't remember the exact amount of articles I put out, but I don't recall it being like a tremendous amount. But um, with the major I was doing at the time, it was I was going for civil engineering, and the math and all the other science courses that I had to take starting out were a bit challenging. So priorities, I had to step man. Away. Priorities. That's right. That's right. Life first. <laughs> it's all good. We got you here now. So uh, third quarter, Wizards outscored the Knicks thirty-nine to fifteen. Uh, they turned a 72-51 to 51 deficit into, what was the score at the end of the third? 
I cannot find it for the life of me right now. I think it was like 90 to 87, somewhere around that. Uh, I should be on top of this. But how, how were the Wizards able to turn around their, their defense and really put the clamps down on uh, Tim Hardaway Jr.? I think the one thing that they weren't doing in the first half, and especially with Beal, is he wasn't fighting hard enough around the ball screens. And that's something that I've been extremely critical of. Um, not just Beal, but especially guys like John Wall. Um and you can blame injury on that or whatever, but this team doesn't fight well around ball screens. They often go under on screens against shooters, and you can't do that. And I thought um, in the second half they came out a bit, um, they hedged out a bit harder, and they were able to force him to kind of stand out there and hesitate a little bit. And that's what you want to do um, in that type of situation. You know what Hardaway's going to do. He's going to come off screens, and he's going to hit shots. you got to hedge out hard, trap him, um, make him hesitate, and make him be the distributor. Absolutely. Uh, Beal ended up with a, a big game. 36 points for the Wizards. Uh, I, Thomas Sadoransky had an awesome performance as well. 11 assists tonight along with 9 points. Um, Jan Mahini three blocks. Three blocks. Oh, man. I didn't even see that. Wow. Yeah. One was a swat off the backboard, which ignited a fast break. Um, and, yeah, Beal had two blocks as well. Uh, and then Jan Mahimni had 17 points, three blocks, and then eight rebounds to go along with that. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit later about what Gortat's role is with the team these days. But what what do you think was, was going wrong? You kind of touched on it a little bit. Just, I you know, the, the entire first half, I think the first quarter, the, the Knicks were shooting like 68%, 64% at the half. How was it so easy? Do you think it was just the, the pick and roll or off-ball screen defense? Or was it just the, a lack of effort altogether for, for the Wizards uh, on after a lot of rest? I think when the Wizards come out flat in those situations, and it happens um, quite often, maybe not so much recently in the couple of weeks, but especially earlier in the season, and we saw a glimpse of that team in the earlier season tonight, and it's a bunch of different things. So like I said, the on-ball defense, the way they defend the pick-and-roll, pick-and-pop, it's really bad um, a lot of times. And as good as the Wizards are operating on the offensive end, utilizing that, they're just as bad as... I'm defending it. Also, the Knicks were taking a lot of momentum shots. They were taking shots in transition. Um, if they had any space on open looks on three-pointers, um, they took them and made them. And obviously with guys that can shoot with a hand in your face like Mike Beasley, um, Hardaway, Courtney Lee is good at coming off screens right away and shooting shots up right away, which is an efficient shot, and he does a good job of that. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of that is on-ball defense. Some of it's just momentum shooting, which you kind of have to live with at times. Um, but a lot of it is effort and just simple IQ plays. Like um, Kelly Oubre, for example, could not stay in front of Michael Beasley or earlier um, in the first quarter. And I figured this would happen, and I saw it coming. Um, Oubre was trying to push him one way, and Beasley just turned around right the other way and made that shot. So it's just got to be one of those things, and especially Oubre, and he's gotten a lot better. But they, they just got to stay balanced. And um, just kind of let the offense force the issue. You don't want to, you know, give guys like Beasley or Hardaway an opportunity to get a shot off. So they just got to do a better job of staying um, stable and just staying in your position. And I thought that they did a much better job of that in the second half. But in the first half, that was a big problem as to why they just the rotations were bad and they didn't stay in position. Yeah, I think the Wizards' effort um, they really came out looking like. You know, not not with it, not uh, locked in, and and just kind of a half-ass performance early. Uh, it it was a twelve to three rebounding advantage uh, advantage for the Knicks within like seven minutes into a game. Hardaway and Tanner were having their way. They each had at least ten points, and 
Tim Hardaway Jr. had 32 in the first half. He finished with just 37. All of those were in the third quarter. It's yep. it's ridiculous how how things turn. Um, a, again, a 27 point comeback for the Wizards. Uh, it really started with ball movement. It seemed like the Wizards had a fair share of assists in the first half. I think there were like 13 of them. They finished with uh, 31 on their 48 field goals. But in the second half, when you look at like some of the early plays as they went on a nine run, nine to one run in that third quarter, it was Sato finding Morris for like a driving kick jumper. Um, Beal assisting Hisato for like a pull-up three in transition. It was, you know, all just easy, making the right decision, nobody trying to go one-on-one. It was just ball movement and getting open shots. Um, the Wizards started, I think they shot like 44% in the first half and finished shooting 55, so that just shows like how, how good quality shots they were getting late uh, as things turned around. It was a huge third quarter. Um, it, it seemed like, it seems like that's kind of been a theme for sure in the past nine, 10 games since uh, John Wall went down and the ball has just been whipping around. It's with Sato at the helm. He's used to that European style and it it seems a lot more crisp in terms of people moving without the ball. um, Everybody contributing. Do you, Anna, do you, do you see it as something that will continue or is this kind of just like a blip where the wizards are, are playing really well the past couple of games? Or do you think, you know, this will be the momentum turner. It looked like they were going to get blown out. It was like 70-something, I think 68-41 to 41 in the second quarter. And do you think that will just, you know, carry over for the next month or so after the All-Star break? Or is this kind of something that will come and go? I don't think that we're going to see any type of, like, tremendous offensive outburst from the Wizards, like, consistently throughout a game, and especially, like, coming after the break. You know, we got Cleveland, um, Charlotte, who's given us trouble in the, you know, past few years. Um, I think Golden State's in there, so... I mean, the Wizards are going to come out there and score, like, you know, 120 points, you know, come out here and have, like, 30-point-plus quarters. Um, But I think that the ball will continue to move, and I think that there are a lot of unselfish guys on this team, and um, obviously the game these days is based on a lot of what the guards do. And I think as long as Sadoransky is still the starting point guard and he gets involved, the team is going to continue to move the ball. That is not a shot at John Wall mm-hmm. at all. But, um, Sadoransky obvious, obviously isn't as, um, a gifted scorer as John Wall is. So he's forced to, um, make some more plays. And that's something that obviously has led to team victory. So I have no problem with that, but um, going forward, I expect the team to keep moving the ball well. And I hope that when John Wall comes back, he's picked off from, um, you know, what the team has been putting down and they can just keep it rolling, especially into the postseason. You know, when Wall comes back, he's not going to have that much time. So he's going to have to get acclimated rather quickly. Absolutely. And we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, the interesting lineup that the Wizards went with tonight. Uh, Beal played heavy minutes. Obviously, the Wizards are going to get a nice long break. Uh, Beal's not going to be playing too much or stressing his body too much in the All-Star break, but he had 43 minutes tonight. So stay tuned to the Locked on Wizards podcast. Uh, Noah Getzel and Brendan Smith. Sorry, I'm talking in third person. I don't know what I'm doing. Myself and Brendan Smith will be right back to break down uh, the Wizards' lack of depth at point guard and what they're going to do about it. Stay right here. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. 
part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, welcome back to the Locked On Wizards podcast. I'm your host, Noah Getzel, and we've got Brendan Smith, who writes for a couple of different fan-sided blogs, uh, Charles in Charge, and then he covers the Grizzlies for Beale Street Bears. Uh, Brendan, can you tell everyone where they can find you, uh, find your different blogs, and where they can hit you up on Twitter? Right, so I do two different fan-sided blogs. I do Sir Charles in Charge, Sir Charles IC on Twitter, and then Beale Street Bears, that's B-L-S-T Bears F-S. And my Twitter handle is Threezus Trist, T-H-R-E-E-Z-U-S-T-R-I-S-T. And how did that become your nickname in high school? Um, I was quite the sharpshooter in oh. high school. And Has that yeah, over? I'm not even trying to be cocky by any means, but I'm like 90% sure I would be Bradley Beal in a three-point contest, but... Um, so Brad, if you're listening, I'm open to the challenge. Um, <laughs> did you play high school ball? I did. I played um, three years on varsity. When I got to my sophomore year, I played varsity, and then um, nice. yeah, I, I was actually I got a couple offers to play like some lowly Division three schools because I'm I'm five seven, so I'm not like uh-huh. going to get Division two or Division one offers. But um, I opted not to play. I didn't like practicing a whole lot, so um, <laughs> and, and I didn't like like I'm not even trying to like dog on myself but i didn't like putting the extra work in and all that i regret yeah. it now but at the time i was just like nah not for me and what what area did you grow up in um northern virginia i am currently in Fauquier county and that's where i went to high school okay gotcha well unfortunately this uh podcast is not about your basketball prowess it's about the wizards <laughs> and the wizards could have used a backup point guard tonight actually uh they had Otto porter running a backup point something he hasn't done probably i don't know if it was since high school or since college he was definitely a floor general a little bit at Georgetown. But do you have any idea why Beal or sorry, why Beal wasn't um running back a point and why Porter took over those duties? Was was it mainly just the rotations of trying to get Beal some rest when that second line was in? What do you think? I'm sure some of that's the thing, but I mean when you look at the stat line and you see forty three minutes, I guess it's harder to kinda of make that argument. But I think um more than anything it's probably just about giving his um his body more time for a cool off period. There are so many possessions in a basketball game, and um, even though it's constant up and down, there are seconds when Beal can catch a break. So mm-hmm. I think that um, even Otter just doing something as simple as bringing the ball up is able to give Beal um, just a quick break and even maybe a little bit of a mental break as well. And what do you think of the decision by Scott Brooks and I guess the front office too to let um, Porter and Ubre take care of some some of those ball handling uh responsibilities as opposed to signing someone to a quick 10-day contract for this final game before All-Star break? I would never be comfortable with Oubre being a point guard on any (laughs) team unless it was a team that, like, the Wizards are going against. But um, Otto's okay. He's a smart guy. I agree with not signing someone right away, especially if Sato was going to be playing. I wouldn't have... um, even agreed maybe if Sato wasn't going to play tonight that they should just sign a guy to a 10-day deal. Whoever they get, um, I think they need to get a guy that's going to be ready to play for the rest of the season. Um, Like we said, there's not so many games left in the season. The Wizards have already played 57 games, so um, I think that whoever they get during the All-Star break, right after the All-Star break, they have to sign someone soon. I think it's a guy that they should be thinking about keeping for the rest of the season and not just um, trying to do the whole trial and error thing. I mean, there's just not enough time for that, especially that wall is going to be out for an, you know, an extended more amount of time. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking up uh, what's going on with Tim Frazier right now. He had a nose surgery on Sunday. I'm trying to see what his outlook is. I know he, he was ruled out tonight, and... 
Um, I'm not. Yeah, do, do, you, do you know uh, when he might be back with the team? No, I kept trying to look at that yeah. stuff myself, and all I kept seeing was he was having surgery, and I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> Got anything else? Anything else for us? Absolutely. You're right. No. So, um, there's there've been a lot of names floating around. Uh, nobody has claimed Derrick Rose yet. Uh, I know the Timberwolves are interested with Tom Thibodeau having a history with him. Wizards are also interested. And I've gone back and forth on Derrick Rose, but I, I'd, as long as he's focused and committed, he's still got tremendous athletic ability. He's improved as a shooter. I think he could be a good addition. There's been some talk about Ramon Sessions and Ty Lawson, bringing Ty Lawson back from China. But you've got some insight, actually, that uh, there's another guy, Briante Weber, who looks to be primed to, to sign a contract with the Wizards uh, on the waivers buyout. Um, and <laughs> you discovered this through social media, right? Yeah, so there's a group chat that I'm in, and someone points out and goes, oh, Briante Weber just followed a bunch of our players on Twitter, so I thought that was interesting. Um, I don't know if that means a signing is coming, but I mean, I mean, it has to count for something, so whether it's just minor interest, and obviously his name was thrown around with um, the guys of the Wizards have been interested in signing, so I wouldn't be surprised, and he obviously would bring that defensive toughness. Um, doesn't offer much on the offensive end, but he's still a guy that can produce. I would still be much more comfortable with Lawson, Rose, or Sessions, but I wouldn't be completely against if it was Weber, but just my thing, like I said, is if we're going to sign someone, I would want it to be um, a guy that's for the rest of the season, and I would be much more comfortable with either of those three over Briante Weber. And I know he's a fan favorite. He's gritty. He's tough. I get all that, but um, I just think that when it comes to prime time, those other three would be much more ready than he would if it came to that. Mm-hmm. And he'll be playing, playing a very limited number of minutes. You know, the Wizards have proven that Beal and other guys can play backup point guard, even if Tim Frazier is a no-go. <laughs> Um, obviously Wall's going to be out on the shelf until probably late March. We'll see about that. But when it comes to what the Wizards need, of course, a ball handling capabilities are important, but luckily there are, the way that they've been moving the ball, it seems like they, you know, it's not essential to have someone, you know, dominating possessions in terms of ball control. So Briante Weber is in his third year out of VCU, and he's truly an animal defensively. Uh, he hasn't played too much for the Rockets this year. He's averaging just two points a game, I think like about 12 minutes, one assist, one rebound. So really nothing too exciting there. It would just be the Wizards' awful defense uh, and lapses and lack of effort at some games that he would be trying to step up on. So, I mean, no matter what, this guy who they sign won't be playing much at all. It's kind of just filler before Frazier gets back. I wouldn't be too upset with Briante Weber. I think that is probably a telling sign that either he is very confident that the Wizards are going to sign him or you know there there is some news that we haven't heard about and I would guess that it's not going to be a 10-day contract as you mentioned I think it, it would be someone for the rest of the year uh, on a scale of 1 to 10 or yeah scale of 1 to 10 I was going to say like school grades A through F <laughs> let's just do 1 through 10 what's your level if the Wizards go through with this and pick up Briante Weber what would be your your level of excitement? Three. <laughs> that's kind of hard. And that's, only, and that's only for the defensive presence, and because I feel like if you want to bring him in for that intensity, he would kind of fit that Jason Smith role, you know, like he's an energetic guy and can come in and maybe make some plays and mm-hmm. bring something to the table that maybe, you know, Saturn and Frazier can't do. You know, they're not the 
most grittiest of players, and I know Frazier tries, but at the end of the day, you know, Tim Frazier is Tim Frazier. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate it, but I would just prefer, like I said, someone who has more experience and that will be more ready for prime time. And mm-hmm. for me, Weber isn't that guy. The Wizards were dealing with a slew of injuries tonight. Some of them we already mentioned. We know Wall is out for a while. Tim Frazier has that nose surgery, and then uh, the flu bug has been going around. Uh, first, it was Mike Scott. And then Markeith Morris, he missed um, the last game. I can't remember, was it against the Celtics or was there another game since that? Yeah, it was a game Saturday against the Bulls. Markeith Morris was out. He played 25 minutes tonight. And then tonight it was Jason Smith who couldn't play because of the flu bug. Uh, So the Wizards just rolled with nine players. And even playing nine players, uh, Mike Scott and Jody Meeks played a combined 25 minutes. So just 12 and 13 for them. So very short lineup. Uh, shorter rotation, McCullough and Devin Robinson, who's just recalled from the D- the G League today, didn't see any time. Yep. Uh, so speaking of like the the off season wait or sorry not off season, speaking of the waivers and buyouts for an extra point guard, do you think that the Wizards mismanaged the trade deadline deals at all? Were you surprised that all they did was clear out some cap space with Sheldon Mack? Did you want to see some some other sort of move for this? very financially strapped Wizards team? Um, I mean, there was a many of things that the Wizards could have done. And first of all, I'll cover the thing that they did do first. Um, the Sheldon Mack trade, I get why they did it. Um, and, you know, with the guy coming off an Achilles injury, and we've seen so many times the guys have those sort of injuries and they come back and they're just not the same. Mm-hmm. And, you know, leg injuries are so detrimental to guys' careers now, and I completely get that. And as an undrafted guy, you know, a rather thin frame, you wonder what a ceiling really could have been. But I really like Sheldon Mack. I honestly think that if he hadn't gotten injured, he would probably be the backup two guard right now. I don't really think that's yeah. um, much up for debate. He's a much better defender than Jody, um, an improved shooter, and just an overall a better offensive player. Um, I think he would have meshed well with the team. He probably would have a pretty decent role right now. And you could have kept him for cheap moving forward. So um, I understand why they got rid of him, um, given the circumstances. Uh, but but I think he was a really he's a really promising young player, and I think that whoever picks him up um, is going to be really impressed th- with him going forward. Yeah, um, wishing uh, Sheldon all the best for sure. Uh, it's it's tough injury Achilles. Um, you right. know, like they they do pretty good surgeries these days from. ACL, MCL, those sorts of tears. Like we see what Paul George is doing this year after that gruesome injury. Um, it's, it's, you know, Achilles is just one that people really haven't come back the same from. So we're praying for Sheldon, hoping that he makes a, a nice comeback. But I'm sorry, I cut you off. Oh, no, you're fine. Um, the next thing I was going to say, um, just because I know when I said this, I um, stirred up a lot of controversy on Twitter. The, the, the thing with the center position and Marching Gortat, I, I was like everyone else. I wanted an upgrade at the center position, but it's not as simple as saying, well, let's move this guy and get X in return. And there are even some people out there that want to move him for a a second round draft pick. And the problem with that is this team is still a contender for the Eastern conference finals. If you move him for a draft pick, you now, um, you move him and you have no depth. You move Mahimi, who's been quite injury prone, and I know he's been good, okay, this year, but um, you move him into the starting position and then you have little money to work with in terms of, um, the buyout market so you'd have a hole if you wait for this summer when his contract will officially only have one year left then maybe you can move him and work on getting someone else in the offseason or um you can make a trade for another center or what have you but it's not as simple as just moving him and getting another piece in return and saying oh well 
that's going to be just as good. People got to remember that maybe Gortat hasn't had the best season, and I would agree. And, you know, his hands have been really bad. His He hasn't paid um, as much attention as he has, but he's still a great pick-and-roll player. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not the worst interior defender. Um, he has gotten lost a lot on um, pick-and-roll defense, like I said, but I think the whole team is just kind of bad like that. But um, a, a lot of the things that people pick on him for, too, is actually, I think, other teammates – faults like for example a lot of people get on him when he hedges out on the pick and roll guy but the roll man is at the basket wide open well somebody Ubre, Otto, Mike Scott, whoever that is needs to step over in the middle and play help right. side so just simple stuff like that and I understand the frustration with Gortat and um, I completely understand why fans want to move on from him and I think that the Wizards should move on from him too but it's about timing you don't want to move him at the deadline and potentially get nothing in return and cost you depth because that's not going to make John Wall very happy. Yeah, I mean, Gortat is a very interesting case because it's true that he is incredibly valuable in terms of getting players open and fighting. He does all the dirty work that doesn't really get appreciated. And we're both basketball players. We understand that if you're out there hustling for loose balls and banging with the bodies down low and you never get the ball offensively, never get your chances, like you'll become frustrated. And he has the right to a lot of the things that he says, but sometimes he is talking too much and... You know, the league is kind of moving past players like Marching Gortat. Uh, super freak seven-footers are, are counterexamples of the, the value of the center position. But, like, even if the Wizards were to move Gortat and have, you know, Mahimni and Jason Smith as their only two pure centers on the roster, like, you can still get by. You can play uh, Markeith Morris and Mike Scott at the center position. So I think he he's he's... Still, you know, worthy of being the starter at this stage. I don't know about finishing the games in the fourth quarter, but his skills are definitely diminishing. His frustration is <laughs> effervescent and definitely uh, not, you know, you can you can just tell that he doesn't truly want to be with the Wizards quite as much anymore, and he's not happy here. So we'll see what happens this off season. But in the meantime, we've got, you know, about 30 games less, 25 or so games of the season to go. This is a huge energy lift heading into the break as the Wizards are about to play the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, the Wizards have gone 7-3 and three in their last game, last 10 games. Um, and I think we probably covered just about all we can in terms of free agency. Or sorry, I keep saying free agency pickups, but they're, you know, picking up free agents off the waiver. Free agency is a different story. Uh, one other I'm note for Derek Rose. Y- you want Derek Rose? I am pro Derek Rose. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. I just, you know, you you always wonder about where he is mentally, and we talk right. about guys like Gortat maybe not being committed to the Wizards anymore, and wanting he to retire. Right Does Rose want to play basketball? That's the question. Yeah, he fit right in. Yeah. <laughs> so. Bradley Beal made some history tonight, youngest player in NBA history to hit 800 career three-pointers. Uh, again, he had 36 tonight, huge third quarter. I think he had 12 points as the Wizards shot like 81% that quarter. Uh, do you think that, how many All-Star games do you think Beal's going to make as he prepares for his first one? Um, He's 24 now, is that right? Yeah. I think so. Um. That's hard to say because there's so many things that could happen. But if he stays healthy and um, they stay on the right track as a team, I could very easily see 
him being on an all-star team until maybe he's about like, you know, say around 32, 33, but I could see him being like a nine time all-star in a row. And you know, there's, I'll give, there's a lot of shooting guards that, um, in the Eastern Conference, like Victor Oladipo's gotten good. Chris Middleton is good for sure. But um, overall, the position isn't really as deep anymore, especially if you look in the Eastern Conference. So um, I think there's a wide open door for him to continue to be a consecutive all-star. But mm-hmm. um, obviously, there's a lot more in play. And, and you would like to think that he would be a consecutive all-star. I mean, if he keeps improving every year, you know, why not? But yeah. again, there's just so many other factors in play. But I could see him being like, you know... Seven, eight, nine-time All-Star in a row. So, no doubt. I yeah. I kind of see him being more like a Lamarcus Aldridge type type guy who like fades in and out of the roster depending on like the talent and the guards uh, over on the Eastern Conference. And with more you know stellar point guards, I think like the guard position is just changing. You don't necessarily need uh, Kyrie Irving and DeRozan anymore. Like you can just pick two point guards because it's. I don't think that the coaches are going to care whether they have. Uh, you know, in the coach of voting and, and fan voting and player voting, I don't think like necessarily guard versus forward positions specifically right. like power forward versus small forward is going to matter as much. So we'll, right. we'll see. I mean, I'm hoping for the best. Of course, if, if wall is at full strength, Beal has a bit of a tougher time um, justifying. It depends how the wizards are doing, but you know, it's, it's kind of tough to justify two backcourt guys on the same team. Uh, if it's like a middle of the playoff pack type of team, sure. but We'll get into a lot more of the um, All-Star preview tomorrow with Garrett Schaefer. Uh, we're going to we take one more quick break and do our final segment on Throwback Thursday to the last Wizards Valentine's Day performance back in 2011-2012 season, which was also full of love. So stay tuned. Brennan Smith and I will be right back. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, welcome back to the Locked On Wizards podcast. Our final segment Tonight uh, is going to be the Throwback Thursday, as we do for every Thursday podcast. And we're throwing back to February 14th, 2012, which was the last time the Wizards played on Valentine's Day. And we were just mentioning before this, Brendan, does it seem like the Blazers are always the, wiz- the opponent that the Wizards are facing on holidays where people have like much better things to do? Yeah, it's like this, and then it, it seems like we always play them on MLK Day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, we are. We're, it seems like we're always playing the Blazers on some sort of holiday or like Memorial Day or something. I don't know. It's, we're always playing them on some sort of holiday. So, so six, that, that immediately stuck out to me as soon as you said that. I was like, we play the Blazers literally on probably like every other holiday, it seems like. You know, Christmas being the anomaly, but jeez. So this was the lockout shortened season. The Wizards and Blazer teams obviously looked very different six years ago. The Wizards were just seven and twenty-two uh, after this game. the The Blazers were fifteen and fourteen, and the Wizards won at one twenty-four, one hundred nine. Uh, here, it was played in in Portland, Oregon. It was called the Rose Garden Arena back then. 
Uh, so Nick Young really balled out. He had 35 points, 12 of 17 shooting, 7 of 8 three-pointers. Uh, big performances also for JaVale McGee, who had 18 and 11 rebounds. And John Wall had 29 points, 9 assists. He shot well, 10 of 14. Who are the guys, how many players can you name on this Blazers team in 2012? Uh, I'll, I'll let you have at it, Brendan. Well, when we talked about it, you, you gave me a pretty good number. So I'll, I'll start with Batum, um, Wesley Matthews, LaMarcus Aldridge. God, who was the center at the freaking time? It wasn't, no, it wasn't Joel Prisbill at the time. I think that was a little bit before that. Um, You're not going to get this, guess this one. He was a number two overall pick out of UMass. Amazing defender way back in his heyday. Holy crap. I think he was drafted in like 96 or something. Old man. I have no idea. Like, Marcus Camby was playing some of this right. game. Jesus. Kurt Thomas was uh, on the team as well. But yes. the, the Blazers had uh, Gerald Wallace, uh, Mr. Defense. He had 25. And then Nick Batum actually led the team with 33 in this matchup. What other interesting stats were there about this game? The Wizards shot... Let's see. Wizards shot 60% on the game. Um, wow. Jan Vesely <laughs> dropped in three points. Um, not too much else going on. Oh, Jordan Crawford had a nice shooting performance off the bench. Yeah. Nine of 16. He had three steals and 21 points. Steez. Yeah, so that's your throwback Thursday from 2012, the last Valentine's Day performance for the Wizards when they beat the Blazers uh, on the road, 124-109. Was that Wall's rookie year or second year? He was rookie in 2011, right? The lockout shortened season wasn't his... This one must have been his second year, right? 2010 was his rookie year. Oh, okay. And then it was Irving drafted the next year. Okay, so he was in year three. This must have been his first healthy year then, I would say, I would guess. I think actually that year, I think he came back late in that year too, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like he's been injured almost every season. Like he misses an extended amount of time for something. Yeah, it's 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 crazy to think about. It's it's sad uh, given how much effort he put into putting his body in the best shape possible this offseason. Um, uh, I'm not no, sure if it was bad. today or a different edition of PTI. But the last thing we're going to talk about is there was just so much hate on Wall and the Wizards from Kornheiser and Michael Wilbon. Uh, Kornheiser was saying that Wall seems to be obsessed with kind of being the underdog and not being famous enough. Uh, I can't remember what else was in this segment, but basically like he said nobody on the team really likes each other. Um, there was some, some talk of Gortat, too. How bad do you think the chemistry issues are with the Wizards? I'm sure they're improving a little bit with this last 7-2 and two stretch. Um, visibly, I mean, you can't really tell. I mean, guys are rooting for each other on the bench, you know, especially a guy like Jody Meeks who um, you know, said he wanted out. I mean, he's always standing up and cheering on guys, being a good veteran, um, doing what he's supposed to do, encouraging those young players. Um, people kept saying for a while, John and Brad have – this you know rocky relationship and i don't think that's the case i think it's just two guys that want to succeed and they're always talking to each other i mean earlier in the game today they were talking dabbing each other up you know um i don't think there's too big of a chemistry issue i think what it's what it comes down to ultimately is marching gortat and whether it's wall or wall and beal or whoever else but i think that the main chemistry issues is going to come down to him and i I relate with gortat on some of this stuff but i mean uh, 
earlier, uh, you know, I talked about Gortat's hands earlier, and um, he missed a pass from Beal, and Beal got mad and kind of clapped at him. So that was just, you know, an example of that sort of thing. But in terms of, like, a serious chemistry issue that's going to have to force someone out, I don't think it's going to come to that. But, um, I mean, regardless, they should move on from Gortat this summer anyway. I mean, like you said, his skills are just declining. But um, overall, I I would say there's no serious damage in chemistry. Um, Maybe Otto has a problem, but Otto's just always so, like, expressionless that you can't really tell. Um, but I don't see a problem. Yeah, I mean, as as much hate that people are saying about the Wizards this year, like, let's go back six years ago. Wouldn't you rather have this team than the team that finished fourth in the Southeast Division? They finished 20 and 46 and won 30% of their games. And, oh, man, I forgot. Who were the players on those team? that team? was JaVale McGee, Nick Young, Jordan Crawford. Was he on the squad? Let me check. I didn't see him that game. Maybe he was just injured or something. I don't know. Like the Wizards, yeah, the Wizards are are underperforming. Sure, they've lost some games that they shouldn't have, but if they can just snap out of it like they did tonight, when you're down big against a team that's clearly worse than you, and just realize, hey, like you know, we're not gonna. There's no easy breaks. Like no team's gonna take it easy on us. We can't just cruise through the game and think we're gonna somehow win it. Uh, you know, that's the reason why the Wizards are. 33 and 24 right now. Uh, they're in good position. This will probably move them to about fourth place in the Eastern Conference standings. Hopefully, get some hope, home court cooking again in the playoffs, and we shall see how how things shape out after the All Star break. But it'll be a nice, relaxing week for all the players. Hopefully, Beal can knock down some threes and take some home some hardwood, um, and and we'll see what happens uh, with this break. But Brendan, I really appreciate your time being on the Locked On Wizards podcast. Uh, I didn't even know until tonight that you used to be a Wizards extra contributor. You started back in 2014, just like me, and I'd love to have you back on the show. Absolutely, pleasure. Thank you, sir. Cool. Take it easy, guys. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow for an All-Star Break preview. So, see you tomorrow, Locked On Wizards family. Have a good night, everyone. Well, I'm dropping English, even if yellow makes it a cappella. I still express you, I don't smoke weed or sex. Cause it's known to give a brother brain damage. And brain damage on the mic don't manage nothing. But making a sucker in you equal. Don't be another sequel. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.